Welcome to the Soul Science Nutrition Podcast, where you'll discover that when it comes to your health, you're so much more powerful than you've been led to believe. And now, your host. She's a holistic nutrition and lifestyle coach, chef, author, and yogi, Christine Ocasey. Hello, and welcome to the Soul Science Nutrition Podcast. I'm Christine Ocasey. Thanks so much for listening. Midlife can feel like the perfect storm for so many women when it comes to perimenopause and menopause. There's all the physical challenges that come with fluctuating hormones that can further ignite our weight struggles, but there's also the additional emotional and mental stress that comes with this stage of our lives. I mean, it often coincides with the responsibility of caring for aging parents, balancing and building career, and or even navigating adolescent kids, perhaps. There is no question in this modern day era, menopause is the ultimate balancing act. Well, for today's guest, this midlife transition was actually a life-changing doorway to finding her true calling and passion. She's Clarissa Chris Jansen, an internationally recognized mindfulness and menopause expert, author of the bestseller, The Mindful Menopause, and host of the Thriving Through Menopause podcast. Using the tools and practices of mindfulness, Clarissa guides women to embrace a mind-body approach to menopause so they can feel more empowered in their health and at peace in their bodies. Today, we explore how mindfulness practices help women going through this inevitable life stage make healthy food and lifestyle choices, shift out of self-criticism and judgment, and find greater confidence experiencing a whole new level of freedom and energy. I can't wait for you to listen to this inspiring and informative conversation on this important life transition. If you do enjoy the episode, I'd be grateful if you could leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast. And if you haven't already hit that subscribe button, please do so. It helps people find the podcast more easily. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the episode. Hi, Clarissa. It's good to have you here on the podcast. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, Hi, Christine. I'm really happy to be here. Delighted and looking forward to our conversation. Fantastic. So Clarissa, I'd love for you to share, when did you first know that you wanted to become a mindfulness and menopause health coach? What was your path? Where was my path? Well, I think, you know, I had a very difficult um, perimenopause years. And during that time, after I'd had, I actually had a panic attack in my office. Wow. Um, I had a lot of anxiety issues and some other health issues. And I was really at, you know, a crossroads, I think, or maybe a tipping point might be a better way to describe Mm -hmm. it. And I um, found mindfulness through somebody I'd met and and I suddenly went to this group and I thought, gosh, there are lots of people just like me here you know, <laughs> okay. who are also anxious and struggling a bit with the world. And I initially just did a course, but then I became so interested in it that I actually went on to train to be a, a certified mindfulness practitioner. Mm-hmm. And I was working with groups of people and they were nearly always groups of women. Mm-hmm. And they were always a similar age to me. And then I started to say, there's a connection here. Uh-huh. Um, we're all maybe also going through this time of life, this big transformation. 
And um, that's when I became interested in more in menopause. And then I trained to be a menopause health coach as well, so that I could put my mindfulness and my menopause knowledge together and help women so they don't have to go through what I went through. Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Thank you. And can you give us some examples of, you know, how the practice really helped resolve some of your menopause, perimenopause symptoms at the time? Yeah, I think the first thing it really did was it helped me to get off the anxious thought train. Mm. You know, so my head was full of thoughts and thoughts that weren't true, even though they sounded like they were true. And, And that was the first thing that it did. And of course, when your thoughts are less anxious, you start to firstly sleep better. Mm-hmm. And there'll be lots of women who are in this age group who'll go, oh, I would, you know, die to have a good night's sleep. Absolutely. Yes, yes, Such yes. Such a big part of this time of life. And then I would say the other side was that when you're mindful, you're mindful about lots of other things. You start thinking about what am I eating? How am I moving? Mm-hmm. Uh, how much wine am I drinking? And I think mm-hmm. you become much more reflective about your own life. And then you start to put those things in practice. And of course, those things just make you feel even better because you lose some of that menopause weight, mm-hmm. you have more energy, you're more positive. So yeah, it's, mm. it's all step by step reframing parts of your life. I love that. Yes. I always say, you know, awareness is sort of the medicine for so much of, you know, the transformation and the healing we're looking for. So now just for some background, I'd love to hear in your own words, you know, what are some of the key differences between mindfulness and meditation that you explain? Right. So I think mindfulness is, has for me, um, a big focus component part of it. So you're being quite deliberate about what you do with your mindfulness practice. I think you actually have some structured practices and they can be very, very short as well. So you can use Mm -hmm. mindfulness in the moment to sort of self-correct. We can stop, we can breathe, you know, check on with ourselves and go forward. I think meditation is generally a more, you know, a, a more deliberate practice. You you say, I'm going to practice meditation. And you might quite often go for a, a walking meditation or a sitting meditation. Mm-hmm. And it's more silent in some ways. Or maybe you're more Zen, you know, and you you focus on having your eyes open and look at a wall or a candle or something. But I think I think the difference is is how flexible mindfulness is, whereas I think meditation is much more of a deliberate plan practice. Mm, I, I love do. that. That's that's really, really um just very inviting, right? And and so before we get into some of the meditation tools and practices you share in this this amazing book, I would love it for just for contrast, what do you know to be the key differences between mindfulness approach, a holistic approach to menopause in the work that you do, let's say versus the mainstream approach. What are some of the key, you know, factors there that make this approach really different? That's a really good question, Christine. I think firstly, I would say that if we just go down a very traditional allopathic route, which is kind of the, you know, I go to my doctor, we're often looking for a very quick fix, 
we will be given medication and sometimes that's very useful so i'm not i'm not in the in not hormone therapy camp i mean if you need that or it's important for you then you should do that okay. but it doesn't look at the other parts of your life you you tend to say in a very traditional sense i've got a symptom i want to fix it here's some medication that fixes it good Yes, Whereas yes. for me, the holistic path says, yes, I have a symptom and I want to get rid of that, but I also want to understand why. Mm. Because, you know, I like a, a good phrase of a friend of mine who says, you know, hormones load the gun, but what pulls the trigger, you know? And yes, I think agreed. the holistic path looks at those underlying factors, you know, my diet, my mindset, my approach to movement. In part of my environment, it looks at many factors and says, I actually want to understand the under the, the why, but I also know that I can manage to change some of these myself, or mm. I can with some additional help. And I think you become more empowered in the holistic path, which is why I'm a big advocate of it. Huge, huge. In fact, you really do um, such good work around helping women you know, reframe their entire perspective on menopause and this midlife transition. What, how do you see it? How do you walk people to maybe say, you know, it's really not a curse. It's really not. And I love in your book, you talk about, we go into, you know, we start wearing granny underpants and we, you know, become kind of, you know, really passive and disengaged from life. Right. Right. So I think that what we can do is not be that. I think we can see this as a transition and it will end. It's an inevitable part of being in a female body and that we can see it as, yes, there are challenges and no one would ever take away that you can have a challenge, but that you can be so positive and you can see this as an opportunity to actually mm. let go of what's not serving you in your life anymore you can have some time to reflect on what you would like to do, how mm. you'd like to live your life, because we're going to be living for another mm, 30 to 40 years. Exactly. Exactly. I love this. Okay, great. So when it comes to some of the practices, you you talk about, you know, racing thoughts, you know, so that was the first one that you mentioned, anxiety, sort of that rumination right? What's a, what's a real simple kind of doorway into how do we just do that? How do we use a mindfulness technique, like you said, in our everyday that can help with racing thoughts? I think one of the things is quite often getting a sense of what your thoughts look like. You know, you could very simply for a week, write down some of the thoughts that you've had, and you could ask yourself, what have I thought? Is it true? And would I, you know, maybe speak like that to myself if it was my friend? Would I yes. speak to my friend like I speak to myself? And I think quite often, no, we would never, mm -hmm. never. And I think it's very good to understand your thought style. Hmm. Because, you know, some of us have a style that, you know, something's not going quite right. Next minute, we, you know, the world has fallen apart. 
<laughs> or maybe we have a style where we tend to blame, maybe in the case of menopause, you blame your hormones. <laughs> That's <laughs> yeah. right. But That's right. That those are the sort of things that we have. We can learn a bit about ourselves. And so mindfulness is about listening, looking at those thoughts, but creating a little bit of distance between them and asking ourselves, you know, are they really true? Yeah, even the ones that say that they are. <laughs> I love that. Okay, so this is so important. Now, one of the things about working with mindfulness, and I like the way you said that, you can, you know, creating that distance, you know, becoming more of that observer, right? Instead of just, you know, getting lost in, in identifying with our thoughts, which is what really creates so much suffering, right? So you, you talk about in your book, um, the paradox of mindfulness, and it has everything to do with this power of acceptance. You know, can you walk us through this? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that it's when we encounter things that are difficult. And I think in menopause, some of our symptoms are difficult. Some of them may be painful. Some of them may be uncomfortable. I mean, no one wants really to have pain in their body or extremely hot flashes. Our natural reaction is to pull away to resist them, to try and do everything to get rid of them. Mindfulness is about leaning into those. Wow. And that sounds so paradoxical. Why would I want to lean in? And, and that, I think, for me, is one of the things that we start to see, firstly, that things are never as extreme as we think they are. They're never at, you know, 100% hundred percent of the time. Okay. You know, and that I think is something that I've also worked a lot of the women I work with have quite a lot of pain, physical mm -hmm. pain. Yes. And yes. we we sometimes say, well, could you lean into your pain like you're leaning on a bale of hay and see mm. whether it would just give a little, maybe there is a little bit more fluidity in that. Mm. Noticing the flow through the day, whether that and that we may see that there are times in a day when I'm busy doing other things and my mind is somewhere else, I don't actually notice yes. my, yes. my difficulty. Yes. And that also that menopause isn't linear when we don't have the same symptoms for five years, 10 years, or right. however long it goes. That's right. But That's that right. actually during that time, things will come and go. You may have periods of that transition that are really quite okay. And then something mm. can come along and not be okay. So I think that the paradox of mindfulness is that when we lean into where we are, we actually see that things are never as, as negative. We see positive and we can see, we can look for the good in, a, in every situation. I love that. Yeah, because you're right. The natural tendency is to resist, to pull away, right? And to not want to, you know, be with what's happening. And that only, as it as you described, just sort of locks it in and narrows our perspective on it. So, in fact, one of the things that you talk about in your book is, you know, kind of letting go of the need for the symptom at any given moment to be something different, right? And that's yeah. again quite radical. If I'm having a hot flash, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I really, really don't want the hot flash to be here, right? So, this technique is very, very different. Yeah, it's very it is a very different way to look at things, to to move towards them and to and to sometimes from if you want to go from A to B, you have to be at A to mm -hmm. start at A. You can't you can't try and be somewhere else. And I think when we see and we ask ourselves, 
quite radically, what is the symptom trying to tell me or show me as well, which mm-hmm. is which I know is quite hard for people. Your listeners are going, no, that's hard to accept that, mm-hmm. but it may be showing us something if we can be mm-hmm. with it and we can learn what else is happening when I have a hot flash. Did I eat something? Mm-hmm. Is there something in my diet that I don't like that's creating this reaction? Maybe it's caffeine. Maybe it's particularly stressful situations that mm-hmm. you're in that bring these on. How can I then go and change some of those? Because they're within my power to change. Okay. Whether it's my response to the stressful situation, maybe there is a meeting at work or someone at work who makes me feel like that. How can I change that situation? Or maybe there are foods that no longer work for me. Can I take them away and replace them with something else? And again, when you can do that, you're empowered. Yes. Yes. You're taking empowered action and you're looking for your solution oriented, right? Getting to the root cause of what your experience is. So important. Oh my goodness. Yes. Um, can you give us an example of you know something that you experienced when you like embodied this, you know, practice of acceptance? Yes, I think, I think my anxiety was something I had to learn to accept. um, And to understand that anxiety is just it, it's an emotion. Mm. It's not a defining me as a human being. And I, I learned to be able to recognize the signals of when I was going to be anxious. So Mm. I have a much better idea of the sort of situations. And also when I feel that, that I can nip in the bud those thoughts where, you know, as I said, I can escalate, I can escalate thoughts to (laughs) the world is coming to an end in a minute. And then I have to pull that back and go, well, hang on a minute. Are you being rational? So for me, there was a big part of that. And to to be able to say, well, I am an anxiety sufferer, Ah. and I'll always be one, but I know that I have the ability to meet that and and let that be. And my anxiety doesn't bother me in the same way. And when it does jump up and down like it sometimes does, Mm -hmm. then I have the tools or I have the ability to connect to somebody else and ask them to support me which I think we often try don't do, especially as women. We yes. try and do everything, cope with everything. This is going on. Um, and then we get to a crisis point and need fixing rather than knowing that you can lean on someone for support. Opens up the menu of options for how to you know, work with, the, with what's happening. I love that. Yeah. So it's really not about, I love the distinction. It's not about getting rid of anxiety and it's not about getting rid of the hot flash. It's how can I maybe, you know, deepen my understanding of what really needs to happen here, right? For me. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, to know, and to know that these things pass with a hot flash. Well, it will pass, you know, yes. we will, for yes. most women, they will fade away with time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we get stuck on that, right? We get stuck on that. We get very stuck on those. Or if, you know, these things do fade over time, there will be times in our lives when it's very high and then it will be gone with anxiety. It may just go as our hormones balance, or we may be left with that, tendency and I was an anxiety sufferer before it's just that I had it 
you know, under some sort of control, or at least I thought. I uh, all <laughs> but, relative, but, right. But now I have a different relationship with it. And I think Beautiful. that's that's what I'm really um, saying here. I love this. Okay. Um, how do how does mindfulness and these practices help us tame our inner critic? This is such a big one because you know, not only do we maybe have the physical symptom, but then we, as you said, we feel guilty, we feel ashamed, we feel like upset with ourselves, you know, yeah. judge ourselves so harshly. We we do. We we definitely do. And I think one of the key practices that I have taught and been taught and participated in is a wonderful practice called hello thought um thank you thought goodbye thought okay. which i talk about in Beautiful. in the book too yes. but it's really when the critic is mm. is out the first thing is is to welcome that conversation but you are allowing that to be there you're thanking it for its input <laughs> because it's only your ego defense mechanism and you know that's the part it's the role it's trying to keep you safe yeah and then you you know and then you allow it to to jump away Mm -hmm. and and (laughs) and it goes away and if we do that kind of approach continually we begin to see that the critic doesn't have a hold over our life and we can also um then bring in a sense of deeper compassion for ourselves maybe we need a moment of kindness in Mm. that moment we just need to say well I'm actually having a tough day today bring ourselves some kindness some some love and move on from there rather than thinking that there's something wrong with us and allowing the inner critic to be in control yes yes wreaks havoc right and to your point along that is you know, why does unmanaged stress make menopause worse? I mean, first of all, that cortisol has a big impact on our estrogen. And estrogen and cortisol are interconnected with each other. So okay. when we have chronic levels of stress, we're not making enough of our estrogen, and we're impacting the production of progesterone. So what happens mm-hmm. in the body is that the body is, is, is becoming even more menopausal. And also, of course, symptoms of chronic stress look very like symptoms of menopause. Yes, so brilliant. So put them side by side, it's hard for us to unpick, you know, the, you know a chicken and egg kind of thing. Yes. But, but you know, that – so we – the chronic stress makes everything worse. And of course, as we go further into our menopause journey, our ovaries aren't functioning anymore. You know, that's not their job anymore. That's right. But we are still producing um, and our adrenal glands are still producing estrogen (laughs) and progesterone and Mm. some testosterone. Mm -hmm. And if our adrenals are doing their other job, which is the fight and flight, Again, we can't produce the levels of sex hormones that we're meant to have, and we we suffer the consequences. So we have those symptoms dialed up, all mm-hmm. those weight gain, irritability, mm-hmm. sleeplessness, hot flashes. They can also be stress, and we'll see those more if we are more stressed. Amazing. And stress makes us tired as well. Oh, the it, fatigue, yes. Fatigue is massive. 
Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. So I love this because it's really what you do, again, getting talking about mindfulness and the practices, really getting to that root cause. Because at the end of the day, we're trying to bring down that racing mind. We're trying to get clarity on what to do next, you know, how to be with ourselves in a kind way and take empowered action. So again, it's not about covering the symptom or trying to make things go away or calm down just for the sake of calming down, right? It's really opening up a whole window into how to move through our experience. I love that. Indeed. And indeed, that is indeed what we are doing. We're trying to bring awareness to ourselves and our experience. And through that awareness, we're bringing acceptance and compassion for ourselves. And when we have those things, we have perspective. And when you have perspective, you have a choice because we always have a choice of how we would like to act. But we can't do that from a place of of chaos, or at least the choice we make will not be one that's good for us. 100%. Well said, well said, well said. Okay. So um, making peace with our changing bodies. This is a huge, huge challenge during this time in our lives, right? Um, How does mindfulness help us release those harsh opinions and maybe be more accepting with our changing bodies? Yeah, it's, that's a, that's a really good question. And I think that's very hard because it's not just ourselves. We have all of our cultural expectations loaded on, on top of that. The idea, you know, personally believe, and, and I know that's obviously people who are much wiser at mindfulness than me would say that compassion is built on mindfulness. So mm. that awareness yes. gives us the stepping stone to practicing self-compassion. Okay. And when we have compassion for ourselves, and it's and I think that's both a, a very yin form of compassion, which is very soft, but we can also be very yang. We can be very strong with ourselves. Mm. <laughs> we can, in that softer, gentler compassion, know that, you know, we can look at how we're speaking to ourselves. So the inner critic is a big part of this, accepting this body, but yes. we're also bringing a kindness. We're seeing that we are we are beautiful for what we are, and we can bring gratitude to our body because it does wonderful things, even if we're a different shape. And we Mm -hmm. will be a different shape. And when we're going through menopause and beyond, we are softer. We'll never be look look like we are at 20. But there's a kind of compassion gives us a peace. It gives Mm -hmm. us moments to stop and know that we're okay, that we can speak to ourselves in a kind voice. And we can actually thank our body for all that it does in keeping us from the moment we wake up to when we go to sleep in a good space. Most of the time it's doing millions of wonderful things, not, not all of them, you know, bad things to do with our symptoms. That's right. Absolutely. You, you talk about in the book, um, it's really, um, really, you know, sweet where you say, you know, there was one point where, and I called it sort of body manipulation, like we're, you know, we're dyeing our hair, we're going on extreme diets, we're trying to make our makeup so our face looks a certain way. And, and not to say that we don't enjoy, you know, that type of, you know, that, that area of beauty and self-care, because that can be fun and playful. But if it's not coming from a place of acceptance, and it's coming from a place of I'm wrong, I need to be different in order to feel better about myself. It's not healthy. 
No, and it's also about other people's values as opposed to your own. You know, yes. who am I? To, who are, am I putting myself first, my needs first, mm-hmm. um, and and having a greater sense? I mean, self love and self worth are interconnected. So when we are doing that, and we are doing it because we feel the need to fit in or meet a certain standard that somebody yes. else is setting. Oh, yes. That, is where we need to be practicing a lot more self-compassion because the first person we need to love is us. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. we can love other people. And mm-hmm. so that, I think, is a big part. And it's not saying that you want to do your hair nicely or put on your lipstick. That's that's not the point. It's understanding, as you said, Christine, where is that? Where is the, the motivation for this coming from? Okay. Again. So again, mindful. I love the equation you, you so elegantly put out. So it's the mindfulness gives way to awareness and there we, you know, this sort of acceptance instead of pushing against something, right. And resisting it. And so from that perspective, we take our power back. And from that perspective, maybe there's a little bit more space to be more kinder and gentler with ourselves. Right. Yes. Yes. And, and, and to see that there is that opportunity, as you said, to do Mm -hmm. that. And that this is, you know, we are beginning to become somebody new. And, and that we can shape that, you know, that that's in our power to shape. And I, I think that. that's very exciting, actually. And I think that's very exciting when women do embrace that. And I see women doing that it, out in the public world. We see women doing amazing things. 100%. That's when they're stepping into that power and knowing that they come first. And that's not easy because some of us have a lot to carry at this time this is the busiest time of our lives yes we have children they're becoming teenagers and we have to steer them to adulthood as mothers Mm -hmm. we have parents who need us and partners who need us and careers that are growing so we can be lost in that but as we transition through menopause and beyond Many of those things fall naturally away, some of them sadly and others fantastically. That's and right. we can then say, where am I in this? Mm. And now, I'm, now I get a chance to be first. But Such we have a, to love ourselves for that to turn out in the way we want it to be too. Thank you. So much more conscious, you know, an opportunity to really, you know, become much more conscious in, in who we are, who we want to be, you know, maybe who, who we don't want to be anymore, you know, and I, I think that therein lies the gift, perhaps, or maybe I'd love for you to share that. But yeah, I think the gift of coming into this age that we are in now, is that we really are able to, you know, want more clarity as to what really matters, right? Yeah, definitely. I think we start to ask, um, who am I and what do I want? And I think we have purpose. It's not like we haven't had purpose in the other stages of That's our right. life. That would mm-hmm. be very wrong for us to say because we've had a different frame, yeah, and that we are, we are now um, able to say, what do I need? How can I have my needs met? And that might be a, lots of different things that happen. We may be called to serve in a variety of ways. Mm, I love that. That's wonderful. Okay. So, you know, what are the best resources that have helped you along the way? You sprinkle them throughout the book in terms of who your teachers have been, but maybe, you know, um, what, what's some resources that if people want to kind of really go into the, the power of mindfulness, what would you recommend? 
um, John Kabat-Zinn, wonderful, yes. you know, he's the father of modern mindfulness. So I definitely think that he is, his work and everything that he's connected with is, is very, very beautiful and Brilliant. connected. I actually love the Sounds True podcast. And yes. I love them. And I think Tammy Simons does a wonderful job there. And I think just, I mean, it's, I listen to it all the time and I yes. love so many of the people that come on there, there are so many beautiful, wise thinkers and authors. Um, and I've just been reading Ashley Riverbrand's um, book on say, on sacred rituals. And she did a podcast on Sounds True. Mm. And she's only a young woman, but I love her whole approach. It was, she is, I mean, you think she's only 20s, aren't she? Oh, my so, goodness. Me, wise my beyond senior? her years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a lot younger than me, but her wisdom is, is great to follow. Um, and then I think I love the work of Kristin Neff and all the work oh, she does on self-compassion. Yeah. Uh, I'm currently reading her Fierce Compassion book, mm. which is her latest book. And I think that is a wonderful resource as well to, to tap into. And, I, and that's where I think we learn. And I think we can also use apps like Insight Timer. There mm. are good talks. There are lives. There are meditations. Follow some of the big teachers there. Yes. Um, I think we will gain a lot of wisdom from, from that too. Oh, thank you so much. So then if I could just ask, you know, what is the number one thing, Clarissa, that you want your listeners, your students and, and clients to kind of know about themselves as they move through menopause? Gosh, I think if I had to say it sort of in lay language, I think you've got this, you know, that this is the journey that we all can go on and that no one is broken. We are in yeah. control. We have that ability to move through this with a purposeful, reflective approach. Mm. Thank you so much. This has been wonderful. And, and May, is there anything that I uh, should have asked you, something more that you'd like to share at this time? No, I think that was such beautiful questions, Christine. So thoughtful. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Wonderful. You. Well, I'll be sure to put all those resources in the notes. And um, and where can our listeners again find you online, Clarissa? They can find me um, on, I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. That's where mm -hmm. I'm hanging out in social. Mm -hmm. And I have a website, which is my own name, clarissachristiansen.com. And, and you can read a little bit more about my work there. Absolutely. Okay. Well, thank you. And thank you so much for uh, your vulnerability, your openness, and most of all, for being such a bright light in this space that women really, really need you. So thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Christine. I love being here. Okay.